0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of that show that we call Here We Go, the Steelers Show. Pretty soon, it's going to be, here we go, the Steelers pregame show. And no matter what time of year, we are going to be here every Friday at noon. It's going to be Brian Anthony Davis, and it is going to be my good friend, K.T. Smith, Kevin Thatcher Smith, the coach, and he's always by my side for all of this. In fact, he should start hosting it. What's up, KT?
1: <laughs> What's up, Brian? You We're going to switch jobs? Is that what you're suggesting? Well,
0: now that I'm listening to you on the call sheet and I realize how good of a host you are, I'm kind of quaking a little bit. I think I'm going to lose my job
1: here. Ah, uh, no way. You're the you're the OG at this, Brian. I'm the gonna...
0: OG. I <laughs> always wanted to be an OG, and that's not because I like the Olive Garden. <laughs> good breadsticks. Oh, Come yeah, on. good stuff, good stuff. And, uh, man, uh, man, just that salad alone. That salad's good. Well, to
1: quote Homer Simpson, you don't make friends with salad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. KT, it's OTA time, my friend. And, you know, this is probably a big thing for you because as a high school football coach, as an award-winning and championship-winning high school football coach, you do OTAs, something like that, right? Right. Yeah, our
1: version of OTAs, we, we just call it mini camp, is coming up on, we, we have four days beginning on June 17th, and I love it. I love the football in shorts part of the season because it's really, well, on one hand, it's it's the first time you get the band back together. Uh, another great quote, the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Let's get oh, the yeah. Back together, right? But it's the first time that, that you have a, a new group. Every team is unique into itself no matter how many guys you're bringing back whether it's the pros where you're you have more roster continuity or a, a college or a high school team where you turn them over every team is is unique you bring that group together for those OTAs or mini camp in my situation and and you start two processes really you start the process of team building and you start the process of evaluation and those are both really exciting prospects from a coach's standpoint there's nothing more exciting than anticipation. And you hear Mike Tomlin, he said, how many times has he said, uh, I'm undefeated right now. So things are all good. So everybody's filled with optimism this time of the year as well.
0: Well, if you had a chance to listen to what Ian's talking about with Kyle Kreiss and Greg Benevit, they had Alfonso Graham, the new running back that was just signed a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that he said on that show was that Mike Tomlin is that guy. And a lot of people get to come in new and learn the culture. And not only that, you get to mix veterans with rookies. And I'm sure that's something that you you do as well. And it's a really good thing for everybody to get that culture. But when you say team building, it's also team bonding as well. 100%. And you have to decide
1: what's appropriate at each level. Obviously, with high school kids, you're going to use different tactics than you're going to use with college kids or professionals. You get guys like Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward doesn't need a whole lot of rah-rah to be self-motivated. Cam Hayward at this point in his career is a businessman and he knows how to go about his business. And in a professional environment like that, Mike Tomlin really has to pick and choose the situations where uh, how much he wants to instill the culture versus allow the veterans to be the ones to take the lead. And in my situation, I have to do it. I have to be the one who has to come up with all of the little things that we're going to do that I think are going to bring us closer as a team, whether that's leading the stretching to teach our kids how to clap properly so that we sound like we know what we're doing, the perception that that we're it's all uniform and that it's all clean and that it that it looks professional and I'm going to have to teach that from day one. And we're going to have to, from day one, talk about what, what, you know, how we celebrate things. We're going to score touchdowns in shorts, and then we're all going to work on a team celebration because that's the appropriate way to go about it from my perspective so that we don't become selfish. And you don't do those things in the NFL. That stuff's valuable in high school because the culture is just so, so different. But at the same time on the NFL level, Mike Tomlin, I guarantee one of the big things that he's looking at in OTAs is leadership roles. Who's taking a leadership role out of the gate? So in that uh, scenario, it's a really big time for Kenny Pickett, right? You you really want to make sure that Kenny Pickett understands that he's the guy and that he's taking the leadership role that's appropriate for the guy. And so there's a ton that goes on from the intangible Uh, perspective in OTAs that I think Mike Tomlin and his coaching staff go back and sit down. And yeah, they talk about the X and O's, but they also talk about those things as well. Who who's stepped up from a maturity standpoint, who knows the playbook, right? Who who's just carrying themselves a little bit differently. And then, and then you're going to look to integrate those guys more.
0: And I'm sure in your situation, you're like who's going to lead and who do I have to uh, coax and who do I have to worry about as well? And so, yeah, we, we talk about with our pro and I'll talk about this, about this on day one, day
1: one, I'm going to, I'll give them the Sharpie speech. It's a, it's like a same ver. It's a, it's a, it's a different version of the same speech every year, depending on what, what kind of group you have come back. But yeah, man, we tell the kids right away. We got two groups of people on this team, guys whose names we write down in Sharpie and guys whose names we write down in pencil. If you're a guy whose name we write down in Sharpie, we know you're all in. We know we can trust you. We know that we don't have to ever really think about your dedication, your mindset, et cetera, et cetera. Those aren't always our best players. They might be bottom of the roster players in terms of their talent and ability, but guys who are all in nonetheless, guys who are committed to what we're doing and are going to give us everything that they have, no matter what that is. And then there's the guys that, you know, we don't know. We're not sure about those guys. And we tell them, man, don't beat the guy whose name I write, I write down in pencil because pencils have erasers. And we can erase you if, if we determine that you're not all in. And I think that that's a big deal. They take that to heart, man. they, they you, You'll hear kids. They'll say to one another, man, yo, you know, 86. 86 is a Sharpie guy. And, and it, it means something for them. And that's like one of the biggest compliments you can have in our program is for somebody to call you a Sharpie guy. I want to be a Sharpie guy now (laughs)
0: Uh, I I'm coming, I am coming down one of these days to either practice or pregame or something. And I'm going to ask for a sideline pass or a locker room pass. And I might even ask to do a pregame speech, or maybe I could just like the Steelers brought in Robert golden and brought in, uh, you know, somebody else to go ahead and, I believe gosh, used to play for Washington, Clinton Portis, brought in Clinton Portis to talk about social media. Maybe I could be the guy that runs a clinic for you and your mini camps.
1: Well, you'd be a good motivational speaker for sure. Yeah, I'd right? be like
0: Chris Farley think of yeah, Chris Farley. Give, give him the van by the river speech, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be classic. So do you have any uh do you have anything from the OTAs that's really sticking out? With you right now with the Steelers, a couple of things. One, everybody
1: keeps remarking how how massive Darnell Washington is. You keep seeing those tweets. Darnell Washington is a massive human being, and that's while that in and of itself is not new news. Everybody knew knew that he was a big guy. When you see these guys up close and personal for the first time, it is kind of striking. I remember I, I was in an elevator one time with Leonard Marshall former defensive lineman for the New York Giants. I read his book. Okay, right. So you know that era, right? The, I, the Giants I, yeah. won a couple Super Bowls. That's the LT era. Carl Banks, Harry Carson. It was on the, the great... discount
0: rack. And so I just bought it for like a dollar because I didn't have a lot of money. I was in college. <laughs> I didn't know he wrote but, a
1: book. Yeah. Well, Leonard Marshall Leonard Marshall was listed at 6'8 and 320 pounds. And I got into an elevator with him. And I've never felt so small In my entire life, he's a massive human being. And that's Darnell Washington is not quite that big, but he's in that neighborhood and he's a tight end. And so I'm sure when some of these people, some of these reporters, the beat reporters and even some of his teammates get up close to him. They look at him and they go, oh, my goodness, this this is a massive human being. And we're going to give him the football. I'd be willing to bet that some of the D-backs, when they first get their eyes on him, they say to themselves, I got to tackle that you think, you think, I don't know. I don't don't know if I want to tackle that. So I, I, so that's been interesting just to hear people react to him because his physical presence certainly seems to be really impressive. And then the other thing that I've noticed is, is how, how many people have commented on Kenny Pickett and his physical build. He's, he's added somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 pounds of muscle, thicker, sturdier. And seems to be carrying himself like QB one. Everybody has remarked on how Pickett is so much different this year. Last year at this point, he was the third quarterback. He was a guy barely getting reps, doing a lot of standing and watching. This year he's running the show and it seems like uh, he's acting the part, which is encouraging.
0: Is that one of the reasons that that year one to year two Jump for quarterbacks is uh, happens a good bit because they usually go in as a rookie as not the guy.
1: 100. percent. Remember, remember his quote about his first couple of weeks as the starter when he said, "I'm just, I'm just trying to execute the plays properly." He's, I'm getting the call on the radio in my helmet, and I'm just trying to make sure I don't mess up the play call. And then when I go to the line of scrimmage, I get the ball to the right guy. And it wasn't until probably after the bye that he got comfortable enough with knowing the offense to then really start to be able to dive into the deeper things that you have to do as a quarterback, like read defenses and recognize coverages and anticipate things and hard counting and all that stuff. So he comes back this year with all that stuff under his belt. With a, with a much, much deeper understanding of the playbook and a better idea of what to expect from NFL defenses. And now he can go to the work on the other stuff, the, the intangible stuff. He still has to improve, obviously, as a quarterback. But the comfort level now is there. And so he can really work on his leadership skills, uh, on being the guy, on reprimanding his teammates in a constructive way when that's necessary. That's probably not something he felt he could do as a rookie who was getting snaps with the third team. So now if you're going to be the guy, then you have to be willing to hold guys accountable. And that can be a difficult thing. Do you ever think, do you ever think what it must be like being an NFL quarterback and walking into a huddle of grown men, grown men in that huddle? I mean, you're looking around everybody in that huddle is a dude. Everybody is the linemen are all six, five and 300 something pounds. You got six seven 2,80 pound Darnell Washington. You got Najee Harris, In there, everybody is a dude, and they're looking to you to be the guy to lead them. And you have to have the confidence in yourself, your ability, your knowledge of the situation, your familiarity with what to expect, all that. You have to have your confidence level as high as it can be to be able to do that well and do that securely. And I think that this is probably the thing where the Steelers want to see Kenny Pickett. They want to get him to that level.
0: And it feels like, from what you've read, that he's progressing it's a lot harder to earn trust than lose them it's very easy to lose those guys in the very going so yeah i definitely i definitely get it and i because i remember with him darnold who the Steelers might be seeing in week one most likely seeing in week one with the san francisco 49ers when he saw ghosts that that kind of hurt his career a whole heck of a lot because i think the trust factor was gone too and then there was doubt Correct that. That uncertainty. There's just no
1: room for that in an NFL huddle. Even even if you are uncertain, you can't project it because everybody's looking to you. And yeah, that that uh that seeing ghost quote will always go down as like sort of the poster child for uh, a quarterback who's just lost. Yeah, and that's a shame too. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what you what you want from Kenny Pickett right now is the opposite, man. Project confidence. Go, obviously, the obviously his play is the end-all, be-all. That's the thing that determines the success of the team. But uh, his demeanor is uh, tremendously important, especially at this point in the season.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's what we're trying to see when we go ahead and have this team go to minicamp. So that is absolutely what it's all about. We are going to go ahead and find out whether the Steelers are legitimate contenders, or are they far from that? And what do they need to get there? And we're going to actually do that here when we come back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers show from Fans First Network and the Steel Curtain Network. It's my man, Jerry Cherry and the Jerry Cherry Band with The Worst Looking Man. Make sure you check that out. You know, he has a couple albums on, uh, you know, you can get them on Apple, iTunes. I'm screwing that up. My kid's probably going to come and yell at me because I'm calling it Apple iTunes. I, (laughs) I feel really old saying that. You can get it on iTunes or wherever you download your favorite music. Just like wherever you download your favorite podcast, make sure you check out the Steel Curtain Network, for all of that. A great episode this morning of Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman and Jeremy Betts. And also, we had a great episode of the preview last night where we talked a little bit more about football in shorts. KT, the question that we have right now is, are the Steelers legitimate contenders right now? And if they're not, how far are they from it? Why don't you answer the first question? What's your gut saying right now? Is this team a legitimate contender or is there still a lot of work to do?
1: There's still a lot of work to do. I think this team is significantly improved from last season. And you look at where they were last season at nine and eight with an opportunity to make the playoffs heading into the last week of the season. You you think, oh, maybe they weren't that far away and they've improved a lot. And so does that put them up into legitimate contender status? They are significantly better, no doubt but the afc is so loaded so loaded right now and so many great quarterbacks the steelers got better but so did other teams that were comparable to the steelers last year like the jets like the dolphins so so the steelers are going to need if they're going to be legitimate contenders they're going to they're going to need a lot of things to go their way they're going to have to stay healthy they're going to have to get high level play from all the guys who they need it like pickett's going to have to take a big leap some of the rookies are going to have to contribute. A guy like Calvin Austin the third is going to have to uh, produce in his de facto rookie year, and then they're probably going to have to catch lightning in a bottle. You know, like if you if you go back and you look at the Super Bowl teams over the last five, six, seven years, you've got some some dominant teams in there. The, the Chiefs have been there three out of the last four years. Now, obviously, you go back a little further, and you have all those Belichick Brady Patriot teams. But you also have some teams in there that just. They were, they were really good teams that just kind of caught lightning in a bottle. You think about Tampa Bay a few years ago. Yeah, granted, they had Brady, but they weren't an absolutely great team. They got hot towards the end of the year. They got better as the year went, and then they got hot near the end. Or you think about that Rams team from a couple years ago that beat Cincinnati or even Cincinnati getting there. Some of those teams, they just got progressively better as the season went on. You didn't necessarily think that it would be a Rams-Cincinnati Super Bowl two years ago, but... They were teams that made made significant leaps and improved as the season went on and, and caught some luck. So if the Steelers are going to get there, which is not impossible, I don't expect it to happen. If it's if it's late January, early February, and you and I are doing a show, and we're talking about the Steelers being in the Super Bowl, it'll be pretty shocking. But it's not inconceivable. If they're if that run's going to happen, it's going to happen with that combination of things. Steady improvement, significant uh play from guys who are stepping up from where they were this past year
0: uh, and a little bit of luck. Well, what's the most acceptable next step for the Steelers? You know, like you just said, it would be pretty shocking if they're in the Super Bowl and we're talking about them then, but what logically does Steeler Nation really need out of this team? It's not just to make the playoffs, is it? Is it a playoff victory?
1: I think making the playoffs is the minimum expectation level. I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's a disappointment for sure. Given granted, you know, the AFC is very difficult, but the Steelers have have inspired a lot of people with their offseason moves. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016. Are they ready to win a playoff game? Can Kenny pick it? Probably if you think if we're, if we're being realistic about where the Steelers are, if we, if we are being an, honestly assessing them, they're probably a team that that would have to go on the road in the playoffs. Is Kenny Pickett ready as a rookie or a, a, a second-year player to go win a road playoff game? I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out, obviously. But I would think that a, a playoff victory makes this an extremely successful season for the Steelers.
0: Yeah, I, I really think that would, and that's the next logical step. But, you know, once you get there and then you lose that one game, it's that's when all the naysayers come out. But really, for where they are and where you have other teams like the Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs, you know, just to name a few, and there's others we can name in there as well, I really think this is a playoff team. So, yes, I think they are a legitimate contender, but a legitimate contender to win a playoff game, and that's it. It's funny, there's probably, what
1: do we got? We're at seven teams now that make the playoffs, correct, in each in each conference. So in the AFC, there might be as many as 10, 11 teams that all could have the same conversation we're having right now, where you say, what's an acceptable season for them? You have the elite teams at the top, right? I think for Kansas City, anything short of a Super Bowl victory is disappointing. I think for Cincinnati, you expect to get back to the Super Bowl. I think that if, you, that if the Bengals don't make it back to the Super Bowl, if the Bills don't get to the Super Bowl, that would be disappointing for those teams. That That's the next logical step for Cincinnati and Buffalo, is, is to make the Super Bowl. But then you have teams like Pittsburgh, Miami, the Jets, Baltimore, maybe the Browns, Jacksonville. They're all kind of saying, hey, we should win a playoff game this year. This should Chargers be, this should be, too. Chargers, yeah. The Chargers are perennially disappointing. It seems like, uh, and you feel like if you're a Chargers fan, you feel like, hey, this is this is where we should be. We should be in the playoffs, and we should we should win a playoff game. So so somebody, more than one, most likely, but there's probably going to be two or three teams that's going to be left out of this equation. The music's going to stop, and the chairs are going to all be filled up. And, and they're going to feel like, hey, this is this is a disappointment for us. We didn't take that next logical step. And so you're hoping, obviously, that the Steelers are not one of those teams.
0: Very well. Very true. So to be more of a legitimate contender, to be in that conversation with the Bills, the Browns, and excuse me, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs, let's not taint it with the Browns. So but to be in that conversation, to be legitimate, what do they have to do to get there?
1: So two things. One, they got to score more points. The Steelers last year averaged uh, just over 18 points a game. That was much better in the second half of the season. But you're not beating those three elite teams in the AFC without scoring more points. The Steelers, as currently constructed, are not built to win shootouts. But they're they're not going to be a team that's going to win 34-31 games. They're not built like that. They can be a team that could win maybe 24 21 games 27 24 games that's where they have to get to they got to be able to score in the low to mid 20s per game if they can't do that they're not going to get there because you're not going to win playoff games with scoring 18 points a game i think the defense is pretty good i think the offense is built to run the ball and control the clock but are you going to beat the chiefs 19 17 are you going to beat the bengals you know 20 to 17 I don't think so. You have to score in the 20s. To do that they got to create explosive plays. They're built right now to like I said run the ball and control the clock. And that's great. I think that's a smart plan. But when you constantly have to rely on 12 13 14 play drives to score points, inevitably you're going to fail because it's really hard to just to be successful for that long without making a mistake, a miss block that leads to a loss. And now you're in second and 13, a holding penalty, a mental mistake that, that gives up something on a crucial play, whatever you're going to get those negatives. And you have to be able to compensate for them by making explosive plays. So if the Steelers aren't better at making explosive plays, then they're going to struggle to beat the elite teams. Think about it last year. They led the league in the, in the last nine games after their bye week in time of possession per drive. And they still finished bottom third in points per game. So what's that tell you? They're holding on to the ball for a long time, but they're not getting a lot of return for that investment. They got to
0: get that return this year. They got to score more points. They got to create more explosive plays. When we talk about explosive plays, we're talking about, mostly your wide receivers and your pass catchers. Look, I realized Najee Harris could break one, but he hasn't been that guy that breaks long. We we haven't seen that long touchdown run from, from that guy from number 22. And he is the guy. He is the perfect guy to have there. And he's one of those guys that was going to help you on a 14 play drive. But when you're talking explosiveness, you've got to go deep. You've got to rely on somebody Who's the guy pass catching that is going to be the most important for this team?
1: Right. I, obviously, George Pickens has the most potential as a receiver, and he showed last year that he can be uh, a deep ball uh, threat. He had he had he had the second most receptions of twenty plus yards amongst rookies since twenty sixteen, and that's that's pretty impressive. So. He can stretch the field, but you got to expand his route tree because almost all of those plays came on fade balls up the sideline or jump balls, right? You got to expand Pickens' route tree so that he can now start to attack the middle of the field more. Obviously, the Steelers are investing a lot of their hope in Calvin Austin the third, who comes with four-three speed. And you just think, wow, if we can get him loose, then he can be an explosive play guy. I read a really encouraging article on the site earlier this week where they were talking about sauce Gardner who played against him in college and sauce Gardner was saying that he was that, that uh, Calvin Austin was the toughest guy that he covered in his whole college experience. Nice. And so you're, you're just hoping right. That, 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 that uh, translates to the NFL. And then, and then the third big factor is that you're hoping that with a year under his belt and a better, uh, comfort level reading defenses that Kenny Pickett will be better pushing the ball down the field and that Mike Tomlin will let Matt Canada call those plays and, and and that Mike Tomlin won't be afraid of second and 10 that on first and 10, maybe they go play action post over the top and take a shot because they feel like they've been pounding the ball and the safeties are creeping up to eight yards and you get a good picture for it, et cetera. Last year, it seems as though the mandate from Tomlin to Canada was play it close to the vest, keep us close in games, let our defense win games. And if Pickett's got to play hero at the end, like he did against Vegas and Baltimore, then so be it. But it, it, you're hoping that the Steelers now will unleash Kenny Pickett a little bit more, and then he'll be able to handle it in year two.
0: Yeah, you know, let me ask you this, because you did not mention the two veteran receivers on this team. He's not a veteran of the Steelers, but Allen Robinson is definitely a veteran receiver. And then, of course, Deontay Johnson. Should we worry about Allen Robinson?
1: No, I love the Allen Robinson signing. I just don't think he's an explosive play guy, but I love him as a mentor to the young receivers there. He certainly seems to be the consummate professional and a guy who's going to be able to teach them a lot of things about the nuances of the playing the position, reading coverages, attacking, leverage, preparation, film, watching, all that stuff. I don't think he's going to be a game changer in terms of his production on the field. I think he'll be steady, but I think he's the guy that you, you want mentoring Calvin Austin, the third and Deontay Johnson. Uh, I don't know. was last year an anomaly. He didn't, he didn't score a touchdown all season. He had the, I think he had the most targets in the history of the league without scoring a touchdown, something, something along those lines. And, um, he just, for whatever reason, wasn't able to get into the end zone. You, you would think that he will this year. It, it stands to reason he will. But again, I don't know if Deontay Johnson is a big play guy. I don't know if he's an explosive play guy. I think in Pickens and Austin, you've got those guys. And I think that the Steelers uh, can use the tight ends in, in to, to it, you know not necessarily create 60-yard touchdowns, but stretch the seam a little bit better than they did last year.
0: Very well. Very good. We haven't really talked about the defense at all and we are running out of time. Talk about the defense real quick. What do they need to do on that side of the ball? And did they do it this week with the signing of Marcus Golden?
1: Yeah, I'm in the middle of of doing a film room on Marcus Golden and I've watched two games of his. And in the first game I watched uh, against Minnesota, I thought, oh God, I I was not encouraged. I just thought he looked slow and, and lacked explosiveness and Maybe this guy's best football is behind him, but in the the second game that I watched, he he looked like a different guy. So I don't know. Maybe there was a nagging injury after that Minnesota game. It's interesting. After that Minnesota game, he didn't start the next two games. He wasn't credited with starts. He played, but he didn't start. So maybe he was. Maybe he had a little nagging injury in that game. Uh, he seems like a great third guy. He seems like a great third signing because he'll be content to be the third guy. It won't be a Mel- Melvin Ingram situation where he'll he'll expect to be. To get more reps, he'll probably uh, accept his role, and then the Steelers. It's up to the Steelers now to find the right role for him. He's not a guy that's going to take the Steelers' defense from good to great, but he's an insurance policy, and that's important. But I think the big thing for the Steelers' defense is going to be uh, figuring out how to slow down those explosive offenses when they've had to, when they've been matched up against Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City with one exception, the season opener against Cincinnati last year. But that exception aside, the last five, six meetings against those three teams have not gone well. They've given up a lot of points. And they got to handle the speed. They're going to have to figure out how to handle the speed on the edges, uh, the deep balls that those quarterbacks can create. You'd like to think that Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter Jr. will help uh, a good pass rush, a healthy T.J. Watt. All those things, right? The, bringing back to Monte Kazee, I think was a big signing because he's a great center fielder for the Steelers. So if the Steelers can can keep those teams in the ballpark, hold them into the twenties and not the thirties and forties, then I think the defense is giving the offense a chance to win games.
0: Very good. So let's get on out of here. But before we do so, we've got to do it of the week to talk about. Do you have anybody on your mind?
1: Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I always like to welcome the new Steelers, a guy, a guy like Marcus Golden. I, I, I liked everything that I was reading about uh, Darnell Washington because uh, anytime that you have grown men talking about what a physical uh, presence of a guy is, you have to be impressed by that. So I mean, those are just two thoughts of mine. What about you?
0: You know what? I'm going to defer to you because I was having trouble coming up with one.
1: I mean, it is that time of year where you're like, now we can really start to think about. It. I was kicking around, like, oh, you know, oh, who are the guys out of OTAs that seem to be getting talked about the most? Pickett, Austin, Washington. I like bringing, I like uh, the golden signing, you know, for for what he he brings to the Steelers. So I don't know, I don't I don't know if I have a guy that jumps out, man, but I like I like the pool right now. Okay,
0: I, I like the pool, so I'm gonna go ahead and go outside the box. And you know how I love to do this. So I'm going to throw out a candidate here. And it is none other than the late Daniel M. Rooney. And the reason it is because the announcement today that it looks like the Steelers are going to be playing in Ireland a regular season game in the next couple of years is absolutely pretty fantastic to me. And Mr. Rooney was an ambassador to Ireland, but even way before that, he was an ambassador before he was named one. And in 1997, the very first preseason game was played in Croke field against the Chicago bears. And the Steelers won a a rainy game there. I remember watching it on television in a hotel room. And it's just, uh, just the fact that they are going to be playing there he won't be there, but those Irish eyes will be smiling down on the Steelers whenever that happens, and I think it's fantastic that he's being honored this way due to the week.
1: Love it. Excellent. Great choice.
0: All right. I It was out there. It was, it was from left field, but you always like my left field stuff, Kevin.
1: Oh, I love it. I love when you surprise me.
0: All right. It's time to get on out of here. Make sure you check out Kevin Smith on FFSN, the audio-only channel, and make sure that you find out When and where you could find the call sheet, it's wherever you download your favorite, your absolute favorite podcasts. Go ahead and do it. Another guy that could have been due to the week is the guy that he talked about today, the late, great Jim Brown. Fantastic show about the legacy of Jim Brown. Make sure you go ahead and check that out. Kevin, thanks for doing that one.
1: Yeah, that was fun to to talk a little bit about. Uh, One of the guys who shaped the NFL on in the second half of that show, we talked about how the evolution of the running back position from Jim Brown to the present. I mean, it's amazing what an impact that he had, but not just on football, on on American society, a really interesting cultural figure. So I I enjoyed diving into that history.
0: And the Steelers passed on him for a guy named Gary Glick, by the way. (laughs)
1: poor gary glick
0: yeah (laughs) where have you gone gary glick with that being said it's time for us to get on out of here for kt smith my name is brian anthony davis we are so thankful that you join us for this show every single week with that being said we ask you to do one thing keep your feet on the ground
1: ah keep reaching for those hypocycloids.